Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of downhill. Wunderbar. Thank, Thank you. you. The hand in the hood. Arms up like this. Huh? Happy family. Please look into the camera. Please what? just He's smile. You, guys. He wants poles up again. He wants us you know, to keep doing poles up. I don't know. Just been through a lot lately. My dad passed away eight months ago. So we came here. He's still here. He's still here. You lose a parent and the ticking gets louder. Every day is all we have. We have, yep. (sighs) Powerful. Maybe we ski the beast after lunch. I don't think it'll be that challenging. It'll be fine. Is that okay? Yeah, it's it's fine. It looked like it was going to kill us. For a moment. the kids were screaming because it felt like we were going to die. Pete? Wow. And I look over at Pete, and he had grabbed his phone. Pete left us. I didn't leave you to be buried. I'm going to win. I ran to get help. Yes, I'm going to win. That's not what happened. And I choose to survive. I love my family. Every day is all we have. How could I run away in ski boots? What? Can you run in ski boots? Not very well. Boom. Exactly. Regardless, I wouldn't leave my family to die. That's boom. Yes, I am prepared. You have a right to be angry. It's black and white. Well, no, it's black and white. How old are you? 30. Oh. I won't give in. There's only one thing I have to worry about right now, and that's going down. understand why there weren't any warnings posted anywhere. There was a warning. What? Posted at lifts, gondolas, hotel receptions, restaurants, shops, bars, soda machines, toilets. We didn't see any of that. Well. All right, everyone, you had just listened to the trailer for Downhill, and the story is as follows. A woman starts to have second doubts about her husband after he runs away from an approaching avalanche, leaving her and their two sons behind. The film is starring Julie Louise Dreyfus, Will Farrell. And it is written, directed by Nat Faxon and Jim Rash, co-written by Jesse Armstrong. Joining me for this podcast review, I have Josh Parham. Hello, hello. And Dan Bayer. Love is in the air, people. And Tom O'Brien. Hi, everybody. So, Tom is joining myself, Dan, and Josh, who previously reviewed Force Majeure on the Patreon side of the podcast. And now we are talking about the American remake of that 2014 Swedish film called Downhill. It premiered at the Sundance Film Festival, where I had a chance to see it. You guys have now had a chance to see it as well. And Dan, for you, you you just watched Force Majeure for the first time ever the other day. So this must be very interesting. (laughs) Um, It was very interesting. And I was really glad that in the credits they only said inspired by 
force majeure. <laughs> mm. Because that's pretty much the approach that I take to every American remake of a foreign film. Like, okay, it, it's not a remake. It's just inspired by the original. <laughs> and it tends to make me happier with the outcome. Yeah, I understand where you're coming from with that because there are some <laughs> scenes that are directly lifted from yeah. the original film. Yeah. And uh, some shots even, especially the famous shot of the avalanche uh, coming down the uh, mountain. <laughs> there were literally some shots in the first like 15, 20 minutes of the movie. I'm like that. They just took from they literally just used the film from the original movie, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not exactly like let me in, uh, but no, you know, but, we're, yeah. we're, we're, we're close in that territory. <laughs> I'm sure we'll get into the differences here in just a bit, uh, but let's kick it over first to Tom. Tom thoughts on force majeure. And what did you think of downhill? I really like Force Majeure. I mean, I just it, when I watched it, it was like, wow, this is this this movie is able to do a very successful dance between comedy and uh, drama. It's as if the comedy kept the drama in mind, and the drama kept the comedy in mind, and that's a very tricky thing to pull off. And Ruben Ostlund really did. And so I enormously admire that film. Uh, I so wanted to like Downhill because I do like I do like the original inspiration. But uh, I, I just thought it 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 missed. And even at 86 minutes, it felt very long to me. And they didn't really successfully negotiate the comedy and drama. Mm. There'd be, I didn't think there was a comedy section and then a drama section. And then it, it was more in blocks rather than interwoven the way Osla did it. It feels much more uh, comedic in this version for sure. It does. I mean, in a way for me, there's almost two different movies. There's the Ju- Julia Louis-Dreyfus movie and the, <laughs> and the Will Ferrell movie. And the Will Ferrell movie just kind of whenever Will Ferrell was on camera, for me at least, just sort of dragged the thing into Will Ferrell comedy territory. And I thought that was too much for the material. What Julia Louis-Dreyfus is doing in this is really interesting. And uh, I really felt for, for her character. And it is interesting that the original, to me at least, was about masculinity. And this is much more from her point of view. And Agreed. That is one real plus i think that uh, this film has done there's a reason to remake it um because of that so um uh, to me a very regretful miss okay all right uh josh parham what about you well i think when you come to this movie you kind of have to look at it from two different perspectives and that's one is a remake of another movie but then also just as a film itself and how does it stand up just on its own and as a remake of force majeure I think that it takes pretty much everything that was interesting about that movie and really just strips it away. And I think that means that the movie just really fails on that front. But I also think that as a movie on its own, it really doesn't have its own set of interesting ideas either. And I think that that um, its comedy does certainly go for more of a broad take. And that really wasn't that engaging to me. And I think that even when it tries to be more into the perspective of the the Billy character played by Julia Louis-Dreyfus, I've found that its interpretation of what she was going through to be 
largely unsympathetic, actually, and I didn't really feel like it treated her with a lot of dignity. Um, and I found that a lot of the stuff that it was talking about to be just very underwhelming. And when the drama wasn't compelling and the comedy wasn't that funny, it just added up to a movie that I just really wasn't interested in, sadly. Yeah. Dan, what about you? <laughs> okay. So as a... I agree that as a remake of Force Majeure, this is kind of a nothing. Um, but I think as its own movie that takes the setup and characters from Force Majeure and makes everything about them and everything about the rest of the movie very distinctly American, I think this is uh, better than y'all are giving it credit for. I am a little surprised because I thought I was going to be the most positive person actually <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> I, I, I agree, Dan. I, I actually think that as a standalone movie, it's like, like if I were to pretend that force majeure didn't exist. Mm, yeah. I think that this movie definitely is a lot better than people are giving it credit for. I, I, I'm right there with you. Uh, I also think that this is Will Ferrell's like best performance in a super, super long time. You know? Yeah. Julia uh, Louis-Dreyfus is really, really great in this. Um, the interactions um, that they have with Zoe Chow and Zach Woods are really well done. Like that, that big scene, right? That scene that the whole film is building up to with the four of them in the room confronting uh, the situation and what happened with the avalanche with Pete running away from his children. I think that's also where we see the, the uh, Jesse Armstrong succession mm -hmm. style of quick wit writing. Yeah. yeah. There, there, there was, there are elements of this movie that I definitely did enjoy. I'll, I'll get into the stuff I didn't enjoy in just a bit here, but I do want to give this movie a little bit of credit and it just in the, just from a standpoint of, let's pretend force majeure didn't exist because the reality is that it does exist. And even more reality is that downhill pales in comparison to force majeure, in my opinion. I, well, it's okay. So if you remember, I was, I liked force majeure, but didn't love it. Um, and I think that in many ways you react, how you feel about force majeure will color how you react to downhill because I like this about the same as downhill. I think that it has similar, if not exactly the same problems. Um, I, I, I totally agree with, and now it's been a while and I forget which of you said this, but the idea that there is sort of the Julia Louis Dreyfus movie, which is the much, much better one because she is freaking flawless and then the Will Ferrell movie. And I think in order for the two of those to come together, I think even though Will Ferrell is good in this, I think it needed a much stronger actor than Will Ferrell to pull it off. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You've watched them in unforgettable adventures, love affairs, 
and tragedies. Now it's time to hear their own remarkable stories. From the makers of Death of a Rockstar and Death of a Sports Star, this is Death Ready. of a Film Star. Starring Heath Ledger, Marilyn Monroe, Chadwick Boseman, Robin Williams, Carrie Fisher, and Bruce Lee. Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. You've seen them tell stories. Now it's time to tell theirs. Isn't it also weird, too, that – and I, I spoke about this with Nath Axon and Jim Rash, how in Force Majeure, uh, the lead character is this well-put-together, handsome, like, masculine guy. Mm-hmm. And Will Ferrell is, like, in this, just kind of this goofy, schlubby, kind of pathetic uh, yeah. type of guy. I think if, if they cast a, an actor who is a dramatic actor with comic chops, that might have been more yeah. – Cast a Patrick Wilson or someone, and mm, the movie yeah. is instantly better. I, I think so, because I think that you have a certain expectation when you go into this movie, considering mm-hmm. it is Will Ferrell, and he's not doing his typical Will Ferrell shtick in this. Like, he's not really, in my opinion, like that funny in this movie at all. Like, in terms of the comedy, this is really the Julia Louis Dreyfus show. Like through and through, oh, I think she gets the most to do dramatically. Mm. I think she gets the most to do comedically. Um, one of the elements of this movie that I actually don't like that separates it from Force Majeure is the presence of this character played by Miranda Otto, yeah. named Charlotte, Ugh. who is just comedic relief. But like her performance in this movie is such a mood. <laughs> it's, <laughs> yeah. It's, pretty like with the accent and the overt uh sexual just re- relaxation i guess <laughs> with who she is I, that, I think that's the biggest like her that's the biggest like avatar of the movie for me like it, it it's so big and broad and easy but it's also hilarious i don't oh, i definitely there was, laughed there was not a line of hers where i didn't laugh it's in, and I laughed my ass off throughout most of this movie. But I think that what it introduces, though, is it introduces, like, kind of like what Tom was saying, how the comedy and the drama seem out of sync a bit more in Downhill. Um, I, I think that they definitely tried to go too comedic with this version. And as a result of that, I think that the deeper questions about this marriage, that situation that occurred, and the litmus test that I spoke of on our Force Majeure review for how this can be used as a way to kind of look at one's own relationship, I think that gets lost in this remake. Um, I don't think it gets lost completely, just because I think that Julia Louis-Dreyfus is so damn good, but I, I do agree that it's not as successful in that as Force Majeure is. Well, I think I think another element that really makes me struggle with connecting with this movie, and I think it also speaks to the kind of mismatch of uh, tones that it's going for, is I think there's this attempt to give the Wolf Ferrell character this deeper emotional connection throughout the film and mainly dealing with his father and his passing. But I yeah. feel like the movie never really incorporates that successfully yeah. into the rest of the yeah. story. And mm-hmm. so it, it ends up feeling like, 
a side plot that is there because we need to give him more development, but it never really factors into anything. And it just kind of contributes to like unneeded space in this film. And for a movie that's already under 90 minutes to feel like it, it has unnecessary scenes in it, I think speaks a lot to the pacing of the movie for me. Yeah. I, for me too. It, 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 it just seemed like the death of the father, uh, seem like a motivation that's just dropped in, mm-hmm. but not really explored. And not really connected yeah. to the rest of the themes. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Well, agree. it's definitely, I think meant to be like his quote unquote excuse, um, for, to explain what, it, like why he did what he did. Like, Oh, I'm going through a rough time. Can't you cut me some slack? You know what I mean? And I think that it's just a cover for what deep underlying issues there really are in that marriage. Yeah. Um, the thing that frustrated me was the script calls for him to change, but I didn't believe it at the end of the film. No. And there was a crucial scene that is missing, I think, to kind of hammer that home. And it, it's a scene that uh, we had divided opinions on on our Force Majeure review. Um, the mo- This movie ends before uh, a scene like that involving the, uh, the bus. Um, can happen again. I, I loved that this movie basically ended with nope, he's not going to change. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love that. I like. I think that that is strangely a bit truer to like the first half of Force Majeure than Force Majeure's ending is. Um, and but at the same time, it also feels like, oh, God, fucking Americans. You know? <laughs> <laughs> do, do you feel like Nat Faxon and Jim Rash watched Force Majeure, thought it was a great concept? They were a little maybe mixed on the movie overall. And like this film with the changes that are made to it almost feels like a response in a way of like, yeah, we could probably do this better. Some of it, yeah. Yeah, I, I hate to think that. Me me too. I, I would like to think that they're just trying to present a different point of view yeah. uh, sur- surrounding the same concept again. But there are certain changes that make me wonder, like, if it ain't broke, why fix it? Like, why why, why these changes? Yeah. You know, like, it, it, it was really confusing to me. Well, I think another thing that this movie does is it removes a lot of the ambiguity of the previous movie. And, you know, I don't want to go into specifics, but there is a particular moment at the end that totally strips away the ambiguous nature of something that happens in the original film. Yes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, on the one hand, you want to try to put the original movie to the side and not have that color your ideas about what this movie is doing. But... On the other hand, because it seems like this film doesn't really go for subtlety that much, it's just another example of it kind of holding your hand throughout all of this. And that, to me, wasn't really something that I was into that much. The only time I really felt like the movie being totally free to go into really interesting territory was whenever Julia Louis-Dreyfus was on screen. But I think that's more due to her performance and not really how this character was written, to be honest. Yeah, I, I, even the scene involving the um, skiing instructor, which is another added thing for this version that I was, you know, thinking to myself, oh my god, this is like so typical American humor. Yeah. And yeah. I 
wasn't really buying it, but I can't deny that Julie Louis Dreyfus's uh, comedic chops. Um, she's just so damn entertaining in this movie. Um, she really, really, I think, carried this entire film on her back and got me through all these cringy, eye rollings, unnecessary, uh, funny scenes. Like I said, involving like Miranda Otto and such. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all on the strength of uh, Julie Louis Dreyfus's performance. Yeah, that so, scene with the ski instructor in the cabin. Um, she was wonderful, wonderfully uncomfortable, and yes. it was very quietly funny. It, it was, it was not. There were no jokes in it. It was all registered on her face. She is so damn good at doing, at, at mixing comedy with every other human emotion. Yeah. And I, I and just with her and just with her face. I mean, she's done it. She did it for what six seasons of Veep, and this is like the movie version of that kind of cringe comedy. And it just she, there's no one better. It's a shame that uh, the last film that she was in before this was seven years ago with um, Enough Said. Yeah, and. Yeah. I enjoy her presence so, so much that I really, really wish she would do more film work. And I, I, I hope that now that Veep is over, that we do continue to get more of her because she is just such a she's just such a joy. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think of Zach Woods in this? Because, you know, in the original film, uh, his friend is played by Christopher uh, Hivju, who has a cameo in this film, uh, him and his glorious magnificent beard love it but zach woods is not the type of character that or actor rather that i would expect to play uh that character and once again uh, like i said before about will farrell it's like they tried to demasculinize um these two men in this version so i'm just curious to know how you think uh zach woods pulled that off well, he's a totally different kind of character in this movie i mean mm-hmm. he's younger than um the character in the enforcement sure so there's a different dynamic and a different set of motivations that he has but i also feel like it changes his relationship with the will ferrell character i never really got the sense that they connected all that much and i guess that's sort of the point of the movie is that these are two people that at least for um there is a sense that pete looks at uh, Zach's life with this kind of like distance and wanting to to connect with that in some way. But when they're in the room together, as much as I do like Zach Woods usually, I just I, I think again, like many of the characters in this film, it just doesn't feel like he is written that well to give me a really deep understanding of his like really complex motivations. And so I just don't really connect to it that much. I had a hard time believing that they were friends. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. Just like the age difference. And I'm like, you know, they just look too. I don't know. It's just like Zach should be hanging out, I feel like, with uh, more young, good looking people. <laughs> and then there's Will Farrell. Like, why are you guys friends? Well, well, it was interesting. Like, and I forget if the movie actually said that they were co workers or yeah. if that was yes, I inferred. Okay, good. Um, and I think there's something interesting there about um, Pete kind of. Um, Wanting to live vicariously through Zach. Well, running and but also like romanticizing the young love and how free yeah. and spontaneous they are, and that kind of connects to his, you know, every day is all we have. My father just died eight months ago. Thing, but at the same time, I, I, I it, I'm not sure that that was the best choice. 
for that for the Zach Woods character. Um, I don't think the the one thing about the um, that the big scene with the four of them that doesn't work is that I never there wasn't the sense that that character knew that what Will Ferrell did was wrong in the same way that there was in Force Majeure. Mm. Like he, mm-hmm. it, yes. there's a moment in that scene where he, where the Christopher Hivju character like has this acknowledgement, like, oh fuck, of mm-hmm. course I'm going to defend you, but damn, you just made this so much harder. Yeah, and the, there's not that extra layer um, to that scene in this movie, and, and it was it come off as very strange and kind of perfunctory that he even defended. Um, Pete at all. And I think another problem with that interaction is that it has no real moral consequence for those characters later on. You know, it, because the whole point in the original is that it inspires a deeper conversation between this other couple. And that's sort of the point is testing yourself throughout the entire movie of what would you do in this situation and getting into these conversations. But that doesn't happen with the Zach Woods character. And so it just feels even more like, why is this here? Just to dive deeper into Pete's issues with his father, but the rest of the movie doesn't ever really go into that either. So it just feels like it's very strange. It almost feels like this scene is here because it was in the original movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, and it really, you know, because the father, the issues that uh, Pete has with his father's death, um, don't really get addressed in depth. Um, it it just, I, I just never bought it. I mean, it, there is there, and this is this is much more pronounced in Force Majeure, um, the the um, situation in which something you have done in your personal life all of a sudden gets exposed to a coworker in your business life. And, you know, that I, I, I could see the strength of that. It wasn't quite as good here, though. Yeah. And there's also there's a layer to this that is, again, like very distinctly American, but that I didn't like. And that particularly with the younger couple, she is the the driving force and the stronger yes. personality and is constantly sort of like, you know, making you know, little words or little motion that he's like, okay, yeah, I'll shut up now. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. I, it, he's, he, he's I, a bit whipped in the, in this uh, relationship. Yeah. And it, they also like never really did anything with that either. Yeah. Like in the, in that scene, like there are a couple moments that I was like, Oh, you're going there with these characters. No. But then they kind of didn't really go there. It almost feels like they were like determined to have this movie be under ninety minutes. <laughs> I, yeah. I have to say, like you guys keep saying it was eighty whatever minutes, and I'm like, really? It was that short? It's eighty six <laughs> minutes long. With if you can believe it, did, it. It did not feel that short. Not mm-hmm. that it felt super long, but it definitely didn't feel like it was under ninety minutes. Which is why, once again, I feel like going back to our review of Force Majeure, some of us complained about the length of the film. It's a two hour movie, but it feels much longer than that. Yeah. And it kind of, once again, I feel like fuels my belief that Nat Axon and Jim Rash like Force Majeure, but they almost looked at it, I feel like, and they were like, ah, if we're going to remake this, I want to fix this, I want to fix this, I want to fix this and address this, and you know what I mean? And yeah, 
when there was nothing wrong. It, it almost, I'm telling you, it almost comes across that way to me when I watch it. But, but one thing that I really, really do like about this film a lot, actually, is I really, really dug uh, Danny Cohen's uh, cinematography in this. Yeah. Uh, once again, just capturing the mountain and uh, the slopes and, you know... Even the interiors, like in the hotel room and stuff, I, I think the film for, you know, I I guess it's a broad comedy in that regard, but I, I have to admit it has above, I would say above average cinematography that you would normally find in a film like this. Yeah. Yes. It, and, and I'm sure it was a challenge because they were totally subject to weather conditions. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's never easy shooting on location like that. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it's strong work. I don't know if I would say it's, exceptional work but oh no 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 yeah it's just uh it it benefits from having low expectations yeah. <laughs> well it also benefits from not being directed by tom hooper so thankfully he's away from <laughs> there you go <laughs> gotta find the positives wherever we can right <laughs> <laughs> all right so with that said uh final thoughts on the film anything that, that you want to touch upon that we didn't touch upon tom um looking back i think we touched upon almost everything but uh, I do uh, want to emphasize to folks, uh, you don't have to see Force Majeure um, to see this film. It is its own animal. And even though everyone here has seen it, um, you know, don't be scared away from it. But just know going in that it's not that good. Well, I, I would once again say that if you haven't seen Force Majeure and you see this, you're more likely, I think, to enjoy this. It's yeah. probably better, yeah. Probably yeah. better, yeah. Where if you've seen Force Majeure, I, 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 I can't see how. I, I cannot see a scenario where someone says they prefer this than Force Majeure. I just can't. Yeah. <laughs> I have such a hard time seeing that. Uh, but I'm sure there's somebody out there, you know. Uh, Tom, what's your grade out of 10? Um, tough, but because of the Julie Lewis uh, Dreyfus performance, I'd give it a 5. Okay. All right. Josh, what about you? Final thoughts? Great out of 10. Uh, I think my final thoughts would just be once again, singing the praises of Julia Louis-Dreyfus. And really because I, I really did find that her character in this one really fluctuated between like different sides of sympathy for me. And I sometimes felt like the movie was being almost like unintentionally mean towards her in a way that I don't think the filmmakers really wanted it to come across. But just like in... That scene when they go to complain about the avalanche, like, <laughs> oh God, yeah. I mean, I think it works because of her performance, but I also think there's a tone that the movie kind of brings off about it of like, oh, here's this woman who's just coming in to complain because she's emotional. And I, it just felt, it just rubbed me the wrong way. And I think there's a lot of moments like that in the film where I'm not really with her character as much as I think I should be, but I keep getting drawn back because of her performance. And I think it's a testament to how great of an actor she really is. And you're right, Matt. I, I wish that she would do more movies. I wish she would do more movies with complex um, kind of situations like this. Cause she's totally up for it, totally game. And she's amazing. And she is really the main reason to see this movie, which I otherwise was, not really invested in. And for all of that, I would actually give this movie a four out of 10. Okay. All right. Dan, what about yourself? The first thing I have to say is that the audience I was with ate this movie up. Same. I mean, same. They yep. loved it. They were laughing all the time. And I was usually laughing along with them, if not like leading the charge. I think it's 
hilarious, especially if you really like cringe comedy. It's especially hilarious. I was at a public screening at Sundance, uh, 1,300 people in the theater. Oh, wow. Yeah, just uproarious laughter from everybody. And I I know I talked about this with you guys off air. Um, You know, is that festival fever? Like, what is it? No, I I think that for especially non-cinephile types, like I I guarantee you my mother Mm -hmm. and father would probably love this movie. Yeah. I saw this in a theater with maybe like seven other people in it and they all were laughing. So and there's Josh just sitting there like <laughs> looking around like, what are you guys laughing at? I'm used to it. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was in a theater last night in New York City. So it was Valentine's Day. There were a, lo- a surprising number of couples there for the for what this movie is about. <laughs> and they were all laughing. They were all laughing. They were all just eating it up. I think it's hysterical. I would definitely say if you are even considering seeing this movie, see it in a theater with other people as opposed to just renting it at home later. Um, I think that's part of the great experience of this movie. Yeah, but uh, I, yesterday, though, uh, uh, the cinema score of it is a D. Wow. wow. Mm. I'm shocked. Yeah. That I, I actually, wow, okay, damn. Huh. I wonder if that's because, like, with something like Uncut Gems, people go in expecting Will Ferrell comedy, and then he's just, like, so not funny in this movie. Yeah, Uh, that that could be it. I mean, CinemaScore is always about audience expectation, not really whether or not they truly enjoyed a movie or not. Certainly true, but usually uh, it's only horror films that uh, get into the D and F category, so I was a little surprised. It's very strange. I don't know. Depending on who you ask, this could be a horror film. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> now, True. that would be an interesting take on it. Yeah, right? Exactly. So what's your grade, Dan? Um, you know, I was at a 7 for the original Force Majeure, and I'm still at a 7 for this. I think it's just as good at doing a very different thing as the original Force Majeure was and has a lot of the same... Um, the same uh, failings as the original. All right. I, I have no additional thoughts, but um, once again, I want to reiterate that I'm very, very surprised that I wasn't the most positive person on this uh, podcast. Um, <laughs> I, I'm giving it a six out of 10. It's like a week six for me. Um, and probably one full point is for uh, JLD who just rocked this movie so, so much. And she is the number one <clears throat> And she is the number one reason to check it out in the end, no matter what. So, hundred percent agree. Yeah, yep, I'm on board. I can't wait for all the uh, Miranda Auto memes to come out. Uh, oh my god! When the internet gets their hands on this movie, starts making <laughs> gifs of it and stuff. I just can't wait. She's freaking hysterical. <laughs> I, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. I, I, there's a part of me that wonders if she'll get a Razzie nomination, but. She is funny as hell, I think, Don't in this. I think she's hilarious. Also, like, I want to say, I, I did really like Christopher Hifju in his one-scene cameo. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. And, and, oh, I forgot to say this. I would have much preferred to see the solely written by Jesse Armstrong version of this movie. I think that would probably have been a better movie. Maybe. I don't know. Natfax and Jim Rash, you know, they're co-writers on The Descendants. They also did The Way, Way Back, which was a nice movie that I, I really enjoyed. So Yeah, none of which, like, particularly, I think their talents are not as well suited to a movie with this 
with this much like tragic comic aspects. Mm. Um, I, I do think that probably how funny it is is mostly because of them. Mm. But I also think that Jesse Armstrong's version would have been much closer to force majeure in terms of the um, interplay between the dramatic and comedic aspects. Oh, yeah. One only needs to watch, you know, In the Loop or Succession to have an idea of his sensibilities. Absolutely. I agree. Uh, With that said, I think that the only thing from an award standpoint that we could really address here is Julia Louis-Dreyfus getting a possible Golden Globe nomination musical comedy next year. Yeah. Or later this year, rather. Yeah. That's the only thing I could really see happening for the film. Yeah. That's about... But, I mean, it's February, and that's a long way to go. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, but yeah. you never know what you never know what the Globes. Remember, they gave a nomination to Kate Blanchett for Where'd You Go, Bernadette, which two people saw. So yeah. <laughs> you never know what happens. And if there's one thing we know about Julia Louis-Dreyfus, it is that she is an awards magnet. Yep. Yeah. At least on the TV side. Yeah. At least. <laughs> All right. So with that said, Tom, where can they find you on the Internet? I am on at Twitter at uh, Thomas E. O'Brien. What about you, Dan Bear? Where can I find you? I am on Twitter at Dance and Dan on Film. And Josh? I'm on Twitter at J.R. Parham. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our review of Downhill here on the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Acast, CastBox, and also on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you get some exclusive podcast content from us, including our full-length review of the film that we referenced a couple times here on this review of force majeure so be sure to check that out thank you so much for listening as always and we shall see you all next time Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.